time to make the crunch time plays. Now your host, Bennett Gainey. Crunch, 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 please. This is Pat Smith from Three Man Front, and you're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin with Sports Illustrated's Dogs Daily. You're listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Tara Talmadge with the Pig Trail Nation, and you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hey, it's Jim Dunaway from the next round. And when it comes down to the final ticks on the clock, always look for crunch time play. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Crunch Time Plays today. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thanks so much. Make sure you hit that subscribe button while you're here. Completely free to do that. And we've got one of the best today, SEC Mike, Michael W. Bratton from that SEC podcast. Going to hop in here in just a second. But first, got to give a shout-out to prizepicks.com, new new partner this year for the show, new partner for throughout the college football season. And we're dishing out our fantasy props every week. But they've got anything you want over there. They've got NFL, Major League Baseball going on right now, as well as as college football and the games that that we're going to be breaking down. I'm pretty sure we're going to have some prize picks for this week uh, in that as well. But make sure you head over to prizepicks.com, use the code CRUNCHTIMEPLAYS, and you'll automatically get that 50% off. You automatically get that 100% match and and 50% off up to $100. So, Again, that's prizepicks.com, and we'll continue to make the crunch time plays throughout the season. But very excited to welcome Mike Bratton in here second time. And, Mike, you know, never would we thought that this Saturday, you know, would turn into separation Saturday, as we are as we like to call it. But it's so many great matchups throughout the SEC this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Vanderbilt, UConn, that's right at the top of the list, of course. <laughs> and, uh, you know, shout out to Prize Picks. They sponsor my show, that SEC podcast as well. So they are one heck of an organization there. So, hey, you're big time, man. You got the Prize Picks on your side. You know what? Hey, I mean, not, definitely not, definitely <laughs> not as big uh, as you. That's why, that's why you, that's why you, that's why I bring you on here, Mike, because you make me sound much smarter than I already am. So, <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm, you know, but you're you're a heck of a lot smarter guy than me, so that, that's why I bring you on here. Yeah, well, that don't say much for you because I'm at the bottom of the rung, brother. So, uh, but yeah, <laughs> there are some uh, monumental matchups, of course, in the SEC. Ole Miss at Alabama, cannot wait to see that. Arkansas at Georgia, that's going to be one hell of a game. And, you know, don't undersell. Uh, you know, Florida at Kentucky. We need to find out if this Kentucky team's for real because I think Florida's peaking at the right time. Uh, but they're certainly going to be tested there in Lexington. So a lot of good games here. And, hell, even uh, Auburn at LSU, that's one of my favorite games every year. I know those teams are, you know, not necessarily in contention right now for the SEC West, but uh, I'm excited. To, anytime I can watch a game at Death Valley at night, I get fired up. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. The great, great storyline as well. Not really sure who's going to be uh, starting that game at quarterback for Auburn. It could be T.J. Finley coming back to to Death Valley and, and making a, a start on Saturday night. But I did kind of, I did want to start off with you talking about this Georgia Arkansas game since this is the the first game at noon on Saturday. And and you know when when Sam Pittman was hired last year, I know there was a lot of people around the country that that scoffed at it, but. You know, it was apparent last year with the 
with the coordinator hires of, of Barry Odom and Kendall Browse and the identity throughout the team, not only offensively, just the identity that, that Sam Pittman wants to instill uh, in that program. Definitely not, not surprised that they've started out as well as they have due to the fact that they had so many guys coming back and coordinators coming back. But it's really surprising to me the way they've they've owned their identity so far in four games because they've really come out and 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 dominated two teams in Texas and in Texas who appears to be peaking as well. But and now Texas A&M just just really coming out and and dominating those two teams. So what what is your your early thought uh, on Arkansas and and just how far you know? I know everybody's already concerned about, well, you know, we might lose Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom at the end of the year, but I know Arkansas fans don't need to be worried about that right now. Just need to be, need to be focused on, uh, on Georgia this Saturday. Yeah. And I mean, I think they're in the perfect spot because I think nearly everyone's going to be picking Georgia and it's understandable. I think Georgia's the best team in the sec. I think they're the best team in the nation and it's in Athens. So there, you know, that's certainly stacking the odds against the, the Razorbacks, but hey, that was the same thing going into that Texas game. The vast majority of people were picking the Longhorns. Same thing last weekend, Texas A&M. Uh, you can look it up. I picked Arkansas to win both those games, so I feel like I have a good read on the Razorbacks, but hey, it's setting up uh, once again for them to be discounted. Uh, I love the fact that once they beat Texas, well, Texas wasn't any good. Now they've beaten A&M. Well, A&M's not any good. Give me a break. Uh, Arkansas is a legit, I think, top five team. I know they're top ten right now, but uh, they are they have proven more than just about anybody in the country this season. Now they've got a monumental task here going into Georgia. But, hey, Sam Pittman knows all about that Kirby Smart defense, faced it uh, you know, every week for several seasons, I believe four seasons, Sam Pittman was down there in Athens. So, I don't know. Does that give him a little bit of an edge? And I think what we're seeing, I can't believe so many people were discounting this in the offseason, but, uh, you know, obviously in a normal season in Arkansas and Ole Miss, those teams I don't think would be competing necessarily with Georgia and Alabama who are at the, uh, you know, the cream of the crop, so to speak, in college football because of their ability to recruit. But where Ole Miss and Arkansas have an edge this year is these super seniors. And I know Alabama and Georgia do have seniors on their team, but it's just a little bit different when, uh, you know, I think Arkansas has got like 23 seniors on their team. Ole Miss has got something similar. So, yeah, a very experienced team. And I think we're going to find out if, uh, you know, experience can carry you to a, a win on the road against a, an opponent that has superior talent. And I certainly think it can. Yeah, I do. I do too. They're definitely not going to be – phased by the environment that they're walking into uh, on Saturday in, 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 in Athens. And obviously, it's going to be a, a raucous atmosphere, a top 10 uh, matchup. But I did kind of want to ask you about kind of moving away from, from Arkansas, I'll get back to them in a second, but about this Georgia team. You, know, you, you said you were ranked them number one in the country. I personally, after after watching them through, through four weeks, I, I would as well. And – you know, they get you're probably going to be getting two guys uh, back in in Tyke Smith on defense and Darnell Washington on offense this week but <clears throat> the guy that's really impressed me so far in Georgia's offense is is Brock Bowers I was very interested to see how the freshman would would play 
uh, in Darnell Washington's absence. And, and now with Washington coming back, it's only going to add you know, more, more experience to the room because Brock Bowers has done it uh, through four games. So he's definitely a, a X factor for Georgia that, that Arkansas is going to have to be paying attention to defensively on Saturday. Yeah, it's pretty wild, isn't it, where Georgia loaded with talent, and then here we just got a true freshman tearing it up. He may be on his way to an All-American-type season. So he has emerged quickly, but, you know, I certainly don't think that hurts Georgia. I mean, that would be kind of crazy to say, but I wonder as more and more guys like uh, Rosemey St. Jack's coming back, I know uh, Smith is starting to come back, and hopefully George Pickens down the line. You know, as your more established receivers come back, you know, how how's the chemistry there with uh, JT Daniels? Is he going to be locking in on Brock Bowers, or is he, is he going to still have that chemistry he had last season with George Pickens with uh, Jermaine Burton is another outstanding player. But, hey, it's a good good problem. When, when you got too many options, that's a good problem for a quarterback to have. And uh, that's, that's a big reason why I like Georgia because they're – finally exploding in the passing game like those fans have wanted to see for year and years and years. Now with JT Daniels, it, it certainly looks like they've got that. And heck, even I guess UAB, old Stetson Bennett came alive and, and was able to give him that. So uh, it just makes for a dangerous combination with that off that, excuse me, that defense, because if Georgia gets to 20, 25 points, they're probably gonna win every single game with that defense. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. Their defense is elite. They are number one. Uh, in the country, and and I did want to ask you about going back to Arkansas offensively in this game. Off, offensively, obviously, Arkansas knows what they want to do. They want to line up. They want to uh, run the football. But the KJ Jefferson has shown through the first four games that he's able to to make the throws if he is fully healthy on Saturday. Certainly, expect him to be able to make some of those throws again. But the the matchup that I know everybody's going to be watching is is Arkansas's offensive line against Georgia's defensive line. I was curious to see how Arkansas's offensive line would perform last week against A&M's front, and they perform uh, very well. Obviously a different animal when you're facing Jordan Davis and, and Georgia's front. But but when you kind of look at that matchup, Arkansas's offensive line against Georgia's defensive line, what, what kind of intrigues you most about that particular matchup? I mean, you got to start with the big man, Jordan Davis. I mean, he's he looks like the Incredible Hulk suited up in red. You know what I mean? Uh, that guy is just beastly. And, uh, you know, all the players around him are outstanding as well. So uh, certainly going to be a tall task. But like you said, it, it was kind of the same things we were saying last week with A&M and DeMarcus Leal and, excuse me, DeMarvin Leal and, and the, the elite front seven that uh, Texas A&M has. But credit to Kendall Bryles because he – Sliced and diced them, man. I mean, uh, he came out gunning, and particularly on first down, they were just uh, – Mike Elko, who passed on the Kansas job to come back to Texas A&M, uh, I certainly think Kendall Bryles got the much better of Mike Elko, and no one I – th I think Texas A&M was number one in the country in scoring defense till last week, and Kendall Bryles' offense was averaging over seven yards on first down uh, last week. So they had no answers for him. And that is even considering the fact that basically all of the third and most of the fourth quarter, Arkansas was in a conservative mode because they had to put in their backup quarterback. So uh, just imagine those numbers that they were putting up on first down, uh, which was sparked by Traylon Burks. That was a guy 
that on my prize picks on my show, I said, man, you got to bet on Traylon Burks because he's you got to feed the beast in a game like this. And it's going to have to be the same story against Georgia because, uh, you know, we all know Georgia's defense is outstanding, but I've seen enough of them to know that uh, they can be hit over the top. I mean, South Carolina had some success with that, certainly with Josh Van. And I think uh, KJ Jefferson is, is much better than Luke Doty. And I think uh, Traylon Burks is better than Josh Van, as good as he's been this year. So uh, I think that you can hit Georgia over the top, but it's not going to be easy. It's going to be in a tight window. And KJ Jefferson has been outstanding, pushing the ball down the field. He's going to have to keep that up, but it's going to be on that offensive line, like you said, to protect him because uh, I would imagine Dan Lanning is is not going to allow KJ Jefferson to sit back there and pick his defense apart. No, it's 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 definitely not. And and you know, move kind of thinking about the other side of the ball now. What Georgia uh, wants to be able to do offensively on Saturday. You know, Barry Odom is is kind of the become the the king of kind of just sitting back and and kind of you know just just playing the ball in between the 20s and they get across get in you know get down into the red zone they they love to to tighten it up down there and he he's they keep it in front they they play you know rush three drop eight a lot so really he's he's able to do so much with with the still building up the the talent on that defense he's able to to do so much he's a guy that that's definitely going to be He's a guy that obviously Sam Pittman's going to want to uh, hold on to here in the the next year or two when uh, the you know, the head jobs come come calling mm-hmm. for Barry Odom. But when you think about what you know what what Georgia's been doing offensively, they've been using the the tight ends a lot. They've been using Brett Bowers. They've shown the ability to throw the ball over the top with with Ad Mitchell, especially against against South Carolina, and being able to throw the ball uh, over the top. And they're also using using tempo very well uh, at times whenever they're doing that and caught South Carolina in in a couple of of bad looks defensively using tempos how they were able to hit those uh, deep shots down the field for for t- two touchdowns in that game just but what it seems like Georgia and JT Daniels seems like this is a game where he's going to have to be patient in what Arkansas has given him defensively if he wants to be able to to have success moving the football and especially when they get down in the red zone when those windows start tightening up uh, he's gonna have to to show that he can continue to make plays in the red zone as well yeah I mean it's going to be interesting to see because I don't know if, if Barry Odom can employ that same game plan not to say that uh you know Georgia's offensive line I mean it's not fair to say it's a weakness because it you know they've got some outstanding players but I certainly would say that's not been the strength of Georgia. But again, if we're saying the number one team, uh, there's so many strengths, it, you know, that may be fair to say. So, um, you know, are they going to, you really want to force Georgia to run on you with all their running backs and their massive offensive line? I don't know that, but that may be the game plan. And uh, I do love the fact that each week it seems like Barry Odom is, is just completely mixing up. I mean, Texas came out and said we were not prepared for that. A&M kind of came out and said the same thing. We were, they were giving us looks we were not – we had not seen on tape. And it's not only the looks, but it's different players. He's putting them in positions to be successful. Uh, the, all the transfers that uh, Arkansas got this offseason, I heard a lot of great stuff about them in the offseason. But you kind of hear that about every team around the country. Everybody loves their new players. But it has uh, you know paid off for the Razorbacks. 
because John, John Ridgeway, I mean, he dominated the Longhorns. They had a three-man front that entire game. They, they were getting to the quarterback left and right. Basically the same deal against A&M, but this time it was Trey Williams. So uh, the fact that you got two stars on that defensive line to go along with maybe the best linebacking core in the SEC, and then, oh, yeah, they got an All-American in the secondary, Jalen Catalan, uh, they can hit you in many, many different ways. So it's hard to know what Barry Odom is going to employ because he's got, you know, standout players at uh, all three levels of his defense. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And and so would you are you ready to say that that Arkansas uh, goes into Athens and, and wins on Saturday or are you, are you, are you going to take Georgia on Saturday? Uh, I'm not ready to say either one, man. It's Tuesday evening here. I got a lot of time to think about this. So, hey, um, hey. You're, I you're certainly, right. I, I certainly like the Razorbacks and the points. I'll say that, but um, yeah, I've had, I've not really decided on who's going to win this game yet. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the I'm I'm the same way. I definitely like Arkansas and the points. Then the next game, I like I, I you know I like Ole Miss and the points. I'm not necessarily uh, saying they're going to go into Tuscaloosa. I'm not ready to say that that they're ready to to go into Tuscaloosa and win on Saturday. But I definitely take the points in that one too. And that's you know the next game that. I wanted to ask you about from a Ole Miss standpoint. You know, we think about what they were able to do offensively last year, and then against Alabama. And then when you, you know, when you start looking at the what's given Alabama trouble in the past, what's given Nick Saban's defenses trouble in the past is that the mobile quarterback, and and we saw it again a couple weeks ago with Florida being able to really do some really great things in the run game and. You know, a lot of people think that Ole Miss just wants to just wants to throw it around. Lane Kiffin just wants to throw it around with Matt Corral, but they're averaging almost 300 yards a game uh, on the ground. So if you're if you're an Ole Miss fan, that's got to you know, watching a couple weeks ago what what Florida was able to do, and then knowing how well that you've been running the ball with your three running backs so far this season, that definitely gives uh, Ole Miss fans a lot a lot of more reason for optimism offensively on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I kind of this is something that I made the point on my show today. And people think I'm crazy when I say it. Maybe I am, but uh, <laughs> I think Nick Saban has has lost a step when it comes to his defense. And I've been seeing that for a number of years, and I don't know why other people don't see it, but I think it's because the vast, vast majority of time that uh, Alabama takes the field, they've got so much better talent that uh, you know you can't take advantage of it yet. What was it last year? I mean, Florida scored, what, nearly 50 points on them. Uh, Ole Miss couldn't be stopped on them. And the year before, of course, LSU tore them a new one. And the year before that, Clemson tore them a new one. I mean, when you, when it's like I said, it's not often, and those are very good teams I just referenced, but it's not often that uh, a team's got an elite quarterback and some of these playmakers that can threaten Alabama's defense. Yet when it keeps happening, I keep seeing Alabama giving up all these points and everybody's pointing the finger at Pete Golding yet. Give me a break. We all know who's running the defense down there. It's Nick Saban. So, uh, you know, he's had a year to sit and ponder and think about it. And what does Nick Saban come up with to uh, stifle Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin? That's the biggest question mark. Yeah, for me in the game with the, with the secondary question is, you know, this Ole Miss defense, I really do think they have taken strides to improve. And they're another unit that, uh, you know, I referenced earlier in this interview, all the super seniors, that's where the vast majority of Ole Miss super seniors are. And uh, they look like a much improved unit. Now, 
Are they going to be good enough to shut down Alabama? No, that'd be crazy to say, but they don't need to shut them down. They just need to uh, maybe force a field goal here or there when they get into the red zone, maybe force a turnover. And, you know, if Ole Miss could have got two stops in that game last year, I don't think they got one. If they gotten two stops, they would have beaten Alabama. So I think Ole Miss is better this year. I think Alabama's not as good as they were last year. I think they're a little bit overrated. And, I, of course, I say that every year about Alabama. But uh, I'm going to continue to say it because eventually I'm going to be right. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think Ole Miss has got a real chance to go into Tuscaloosa and win this football game. Yeah, man, I, I do too. And, you know, it, just looking at it, and you got, and you mentioned it already, you know, doing a, a show uh, earlier uh, with, with Evie Van Pelt from the Rebel Wall, we're kind of talking about Ole Miss is, is improved defense. And it's got, you know, it's, it's got a lot to do with, being able to to actually have a being able to actually have a, a spring practice, being able to have a summer this year for their defense to really round into form, they've kind of mixed it up uh, scheme wise a little bit going to a to going to the three two six, and then you know, just they've added some really great guys through the through the JUCO through the through the transfer portal with, with Chance Campbell at linebacker. He's playing out of his mind right now. So you know mm-hmm. when you think about it, we just. No, Ole Miss. If they, like you say, if they can just get, if they can just hold Alabama to the two field goals instead of two touchdowns in the red zone, or or force a turnover to gain some some field position, get the ball back uh, from to that offense, it's that certainly not out of the question to to say that that they can go into Tuscaloosa on Saturday and win that football game. Yeah, I think I think that's it right there, and. You know, the only thing that kind of worries me, because it's, again, we all know it's Alabama, mighty Alabama, but Lane Kiffin keeps talking about the fact that, uh, you know, while he has two two weeks to prepare for this game, maybe that's an advantage, but Ole Miss was so red hot, maybe you don't you don't want that bye week, you know, because they weren't real banged up. I know uh, Springer, the, the, you know, the hybrid defender there, he was banged up, so they'll be getting him back. That's a positive, but... I'm kind of. I, I think it makes sense what Kiffin's saying. I mean, if you're if you're playing that well, I do not think you want two weeks to to sit around and. Yeah, it's almost like preparing too much for Alabama. So I think they much would have rather played like Northeastern Louisiana Tech last week, beat them by a hundred, and uh, just stayed hot going into this Alabama game. So we'll we'll have to see. Maybe there's if there's some kind of hangover effect. Ole Miss certainly because they'll they'll be in trouble. They got to play their A plus game to to pull this one out. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. They certainly got got to got to do that, and 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 then the the last couple of games that we're going to mention, obviously Florida uh, and Kentucky got a got a really nice look at Kentucky on Saturday uh, when they when they played South Carolina. Don't obviously it's a game that that Carolina should have should have won, and then when you you're plus three in the in the turnover margin, and all the turnovers came around uh, midfield except for that one uh, interception that Jalen Foster had that pinned them back. Uh, to the one yard line, but the two the two fumbles there were just around midfield. Not Gamecocks not able to to take advantage of opportunities against Kentucky on Saturday night. So it was a game that that it's kind of real resembled Kentucky the last last couple weeks as they've turned the ball over and 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 escapes. So whenever you look at uh, Kentucky and Florida on Saturday night in Lexington, what what matchups are you looking forward most to uh, in that game? Uh, I mean, it's going to come down to physicality in the running game on both sides, and it's kind of a strength on strength, and I think 
Florida's defense is going to dare Will Levis to beat them through the air, which he's shown the capability he can beat a team, but he's also thrown interception in every game. And I don't know how Kentucky's doing it because they're minus nine in the, in the turnover margin that's worst in the nation, yet they're 4-0. Uh, so, I mean, they are, they're living life on the edge, brother. And if they keep that up, I mean, there's no chance they can beat Florida. There's no chance they beat Georgia. Uh, heck, even uh, Tennessee might get them. Oh, man, what a glorious day that would be if they have multiple turnovers. That, you know, these SEC teams, for the most part, are going to take advantage of it. Uh, so th- they've got to clean that up. Uh, really want to see uh, Chris Rodriguez stop his fumbling. But uh, can you know, I don't know if uh, – well, I shouldn't say I don't know because we were saying the same thing going into Alabama, but can Florida run on Kentucky? Uh, South Carolina sure couldn't, but this is a, this is a different animal with, uh, you know, the quarterback for Florida is not banged up like South Carolina's Luke Doty was kind of limited there, and the offensive line has, has been playing lights out for the Florida Gators. So uh, my cousin says this – he said on our show today, this might be the shortest game of the weekend because uh, we'll probably get about 90 carries in this game. I – I really think it'll be strength on strength and and two teams just trying to figure out which one's tougher. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I know, I know we're used to these games uh, with all the, with all the commercials and all that lasting about three and a half hours, (laughs) but I wouldn't be surprised Mike, if this one only lasted about, about two and a half, two hours and 45 (laughs) minutes, even with all the timeouts, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a pretty quick one. Yeah. And uh, Kentucky's lucky though. They're getting in at night and uh, man, I don't know who they're paying off down there at the SEC, but uh, they're getting some some really good advantages here. The Missouri game, that was such a huge game. That was the night game. They're getting this Florida game at night. And then next weekend, they host LSU. That's a huge game for them also at night. So the SEC is setting this thing up for uh, Kentucky to have a magical season. Let's see if they can – they got to do their part on the field, obviously. Yeah, that's definitely true. And, and you know, Kentucky – defensively they were obviously stacking the box the other night uh, this, which is what obviously you know everybody's going to do against South Carolina this year going to force Luke Doty to to beat them and obviously and you know Marcus Satterfield really didn't call in plays really didn't help himself that's one of the things that that I was you know kind of focused in on uh, watching the game uh in the stands Saturday night was you know Carolina used a lot of they use a lot of a bunch formations and, and different things like that and you know you're pretty much when you're when you're doing that Kentucky's already stacking the box you're pretty much play or you're pretty much trying to run the ball up the middle with with Kevin Harris or, or Juju McDowell which they tried to do against an 11 man box and that's just not <laughs> that's just not going to work uh, in the SEC especially when you're placing the defense as well coached as Kentucky's is yeah he needs to. Uh... It's, it was like he's still living life in the NFL. You know what? I mean, he's he's got to they got to go more wide. I, I, that is that was kind of pretty confounding. And how about some receivers run uh, beyond the first yard, first down marker on fourth down? That would also, I think, help the the Gamecocks. <laughs> well, it was it was funny because it obviously the carry and Joyner, even if he would have caught that one ball on, on fourth down, he wasn't going to shake that defender and and pick up the first down. So I, it's like Kentucky would have gotten a a stop there too, but on that yeah. play, if Doty would have held the ball for just one second, Jalen Brooks was about to be wide open in the in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. So definitely an opportunity missed uh, there too in the game. But you know, I just 
you know, the carry and joiner is a guy that obviously he's, he's a guy that is great about college football. He's, he's put, paid his dues. He's transferred from quarterback to wide receiver at South Carolina, but he's, he's just a guy that, that, you know, as, as much as he's a, a leader on the team, he's, he's just not really a guy that, that you can depend on on fourth down uh, for Carolina this year so far. No, and it's, it's just kind of a sad state of the Gamecocks roster. If, if that's your, that's your guy at this point, you know, cause he's, he's still developing, you know what I mean? So, um, Mm, it, they're just in a rough, rough spot, and that's kind of why I've been low on South Carolina. All I've had them at thirteen in my power rankings every every week, even though they were beating Eastern Illinois and barely edging out ECU. But the good news is, I I do like their coaching staff, and I think they're pointing in the right direction. Of course, they're killing it on the recruiting trail, so better days are certainly ahead. Oh uh, yeah, that's definitely true, and and the the defense is what is and is really surprised a lot of people they actually seem like they're they're having fun out there they're being in the right spot they're they know what to do which, which you know frankly at times the last couple of years uh under coach Muschamp and coach robinson on the defensive side of the ball they they really didn't know what they were doing out there so definitely the defensive staff that, that shane beamer has assembled with with clayton white jimmy Lindsay, mike peterson and, and torian gray that's I, I I give them an A plus so far from the defensive standpoint for for Carolina. Oh yeah, I mean they were a nightmare last year, and that now it looks like the strength of the team. So, uh, <laughs> of course, last year the offense was pretty good. Now, now they can't buy it a, a first down. So if it's not one thing or another, this is starting to sound like a Tennessee pod. What's going on here? <laughs> well, you know, just, just watching. I know we're, we're kind of going into the rabbit hole here, but just just. You know, it makes you makes you wonder about and obviously Mike Bobo, the office coordinator last year, knew how to how to scheme the running game. He knew how to get Shy Smith open, which is the only weapon that, that Carolina had in the passing game um, you know, last year. But just the the offensive line performance that we've for Carolina, we've seen it uh, be better last year than it is this year. But part you know, now that we're four games in it part of me kind of believes that that the reason we were kind of led to believe the the offense the offensive line and and the running game was was so good not only because of the scheme but just because of the the defenses last year during the covid year yeah and uh <laughs> man i'm just shaking my head still thinking about that south carolina game i mean i'm going back i'm watching the games and I'm just scratching my head at what happened to this offensive line, though. I mean, I, I can't get over it. Uh, that was the strength of the team. That was a, a portion of the team I thought was going to be solid. And, I, you know, I know fans are mad at the coaches, but I'm sitting here watching these linemen. They're just they're just letting guys blow right past them. So I don't, I don't know what in the world is going on down there with that offensive line. Sorry to, to totally change it, the narrative there. But, yeah, Clayton White is doing a heck of a job. I mean, that, that defense is swarming. They're punching at the ball like we saw against Kentucky. They're giving them an opportunity. Uh, when old, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 when, I, when I think of South Carolina last season, all I think about is that damn Lane Kiffin throwing his clipboard 30 <laughs> feet into the air. You know what I mean? Because – uh, I think it was Elijah Moore was about 40 yards wide open. Uh, and, and now when I think of the Gamecocks, it's completely, you know, the other, the other side of the story, you throw it deep on them. Uh, Simpson's going to pick you off. I think he leads the SEC in interception. So, uh, just night and day different here for Carolina on that side of the ball. Yes. Yeah, that, that, 
that memory uh, that you're talking about of, of Lane Kiffin throwing the clipboard that's that's etched in the in the memory uh, in the memory bank of of Carolina fans everywhere, especially <laughs> since it's so current. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Well, you were trashing Tennessee before we got on here, so I had to do I had to return the favor. <laughs> hey, you need you you know hey, you also know how I, I told you about I, how I feel about the Carolina Tennessee game next week. You know Tennessee's going to be able to score some points, and I don't think Carolina's going to be able to hang with them. Yeah, I I hope you're right. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, the final the final game that I wanted to ask you about was was Auburn and LSU, obviously. Of you know we saw it last week. T.J. Finley comes in and, and saves the game for for Auburn against Georgia State. But but if you if you were you know if you had to pick for Auburn, who would the starting quarterback be this week? No, I don't. I feel like you probably just roll Bo Nix back out there because T.J. Finley in a game of this magnitude, I I'm just not sure how how well he's going to respond to to coming back to to Death Valley. It seems like a a game where he could go if he went out there and started it seemed like a game where he could ball out or it's a game where he could really struggle in just because of all the all the emotion but if, if you know Bo Nix goes out there and and struggles again definitely Brian Harson's certainly not gonna waste any time pulling the trigger again to TJ Finley because he's he was pretty Im- impressive coming in uh, last week and it just seemed like the team got a little extra little bit of energy whenever he came in there too yeah i think brian harson now has got to walk a fine line because if he goes with bo nix does he risk you know not having that energy and and the team and i don't want to say quitting on him because it's way too early for that but maybe they don't buy into him you know if if you know we'll have to see who's performing better in practice who knows but if they if they roll with bo nix and tj finley's had a better week of practice that's gonna be trouble but I see what you're saying too. I mean, the emotions will be riding high. He's going back into the stadium where he's from Louisiana. He played obviously for he started for LSU last year in a number of games. He started more than Max Johnson or uh, Miles Brennan even last year. So, you know, what's it going to be like for him walking back in that stadium? But given the fact that he's played there, I kind of lean towards TJ Finley uh, because last week against Georgia State, I mean, Brian Harson. Timed it out masterfully. It was right after the block punt when Auburn scored a touchdown. The crowd got back into the game. There was a lot of energy. The sideline was buzzing. That's a great time to put in a new quarterback, Get you know just to carry that momentum. Because, heck, they got momentum just by making a change at the quarterback position. Can you do that on the road? If Bo Nix gets down 10, 14, 20 points, putting in the backups is not going to give you much energy on the road. So uh, I would roll with TJ Finley personally, but – it's a, it's a tough decision. Well, you know, I don't think Brian Harson's the guy that uh, I don't think he makes emotional decisions by any means. And Bo Nix was really balling out the first two weeks. Of course, they didn't play anybody. And then at Penn State, you know, he didn't play perfectly, didn't play poorly. He was kind of middle of the road. But last week he was really, really poor. And uh, had they not made the switch, I think they would have lost that game to Georgia State. Yeah, I, I definitely think so too. Because it was TJ Finley came in. You could tell they they just got a spark, and, and he led them to victory, throwing the touchdown pass to, to Cedric Jackson there uh, in the end zone. But the last thing that I have for you was just on the LSU uh, standpoint in this game. Obviously, things were not things were looking pretty bleak after 
after the opening week against against UCLA, getting getting beat the way they did uh, out there. But you know, they've really it seems like Coach O with his back against the wall. They've really bounced back the last few weeks. Had a really great victory over Central Michigan in 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 really good fashion. Beat Mississippi State uh, last week. So it seems that that things are really starting to things possibly starting to turn the corner for LSU. Obviously, you're still concerned about uh, the health of, of Derek Stingley going forward. And they, I think he's his his dad said he's definitely going to be uh, back before the before the season's over. But I know you're you're always concerned about how that's going to affect the defense. But but for LSU, offensively, uh, just just the team mindset going into this game. It seems like Auburn's Auburn's defense is kind of kind of under underperformed uh, as well for what we thought or what I thought was going to be the case going into the season, but. Seems like this is a game where LSU could really come out and and throw the ball around early and and get a little bit of momentum and and really start to pull away late in this one. Yeah, I mean when they lost to UCLA, who would have thought they were sitting here at uh, you know with the the possibility of going two and zero in SEC play? So yeah, it's quite the little turnaround, but uh, things are certainly going to get much much tougher in the weeks to come for LSU. They got to play Alabama and. Ole Miss and Arkansas. I mean, it's it's a murderer's row for LSU here in the coming weeks. They got to go to Kentucky in the night. So this is for both teams, really. But I, I think for LSU particularly, because Brian Harson's in his first year, I don't I don't think they'll give him too hard of a time. Of course, Auburn fans expect a win against LSU, but uh, I think Coach O's really got his back up against the wall. Clearly, based on all the heat he got after losing to UCLA, but. I think it's a credit to him and his and his team, which is still very, very young. And I thought uh, interesting point I heard in uh, uh, this week. I think it was from Jacob Hester. He said, "Well, heck, this this LSU team is still so young. They're just loaded with freshmen and sophomores. They've never even experienced Death Valley with a full capacity crowd, and, I, and that's interesting. So we'll have to see how uh, you know how does LSU." respond to the home field advantage and, and and the crowd because you know certainly it's going to be a strength against Auburn but maybe those players you you want to talk about TJ Finley being too hyped some of those players might be too hyped with all the crowd and the energy so uh you know I think as long as LSU continues to trend in the right direction what's killing them is the offensive line and most people just think they're horrible and uh they can't play but uh the reality is their starting five has played like nine snaps together and they didn't have the whole camp together because they were in and out and in and out and in and out. So, you know, I'm, I'm LSU. I was very high on them with the preseason, so I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them pretty hard. But uh, it, they really need that offensive line to come together. And because that Auburn defensive front, yes, they've, you know, the, they certainly struggled against Georgia State. But uh, when McLean came back in for the second half, remember he was. He got the targeting call against Penn State. It was like it was a different defense in the second half. So is one player really that important to the defense? I don't know, but uh, we'll see it here on Saturday night in Death Valley because this is an opportunity maybe with the quarterback switch. Maybe Auburn really will uh, you know, have this all this momentum and they go into LSU. I, they're certainly capable of beating this LSU team. This, this doesn't seem like a very great LSU team to me at this point, but on the flip side – I think uh, LSU's got a lot to gain here and get some momentum. You got to win at night, Tiger Stadium. And heck, maybe if uh, Florida whoops up on Kentucky, 
Maybe you'll uh, you know take the air out of Mark Stoops' program. Maybe you'll be three and zero here in the SEC if you finish strong uh, this week and next week. So, you know, I, Coach O ain't dead yet, brother. I'm I'm still betting on my man, Coach O. No, he, he he's not dead yet. He's he's he, he's he you know he seems to do better whenever he's uh, got his back against the wall and he's he's swinging. He's trying to swing out. So definitely yep. looking forward to seeing to seeing what they do on Saturday night. And you're right on the on the offensive line. They've they've had a chance to develop no continuity, especially with you know with Darryl Rosenthal transferring at the almost at the end of camp. You just, just you always worried about the, their continuity, especially. Uh, in the run game, they definitely haven't been able to establish uh, any uh, sort of run game so far. But definitely looking forward to to watching them and see if they can develop some of that continuity again on Saturday night. Yes, sir, man, I can't wait for it. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, <laughs> I, I couldn't ask, I couldn't, I couldn't bring you on here since since we since both of our shows are partnered uh, with Prize Picks. They do have a couple of early of the fantasy props out there. So I did want to get your thoughts on, on JT Daniels and, and KJ Jefferson this way. Couldn't let you out of here uh, without doing that. It's become one of the, become one of the highlights, but all right. So J the early on, on JT Daniels is over 265 and a half passing yards uh, on Saturday. Does he, does he get over that or see under that? Um, that's a lot on Arkansas. Uh, I would say under, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say under two right now, and then and then KJ Jefferson is 174 and a half. Hmm. I'll go over. I think I think I'll go over on that too. Feel like he he might hit uh he might hit Traylon Burks on a on another 85 yard uh, touchdown exactly. over, over the top. So <laughs> that that'll that already puts you halfway there. Exactly. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, KJ Jefferson's he's red hot right now, so I'm sticking with him. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Mike, it's always always a pleasure having you. Definitely always looking forward to, to having you back on again. But tell everybody where they can find you on social media, where they can find you know, if they've been living under, if people have been living under a rock and, and don't know what that SEC podcast is all about, uh, tell them about that as well because you do an amazing job, brother. Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, so I'm just SEC Mike. Just search that on any platform. I'll come up on the social medias and the show That SEC Podcast. I host it with my cousin Shane. He's literally the funniest guy that uh, I've ever met in my life, and uh, he's about a thousand times funnier than I am. And we're the highest-rated SEC podcast on the Apple Podcast app, so check it out. No doubt. And thanks so much to Mike for coming on today. And thank you for watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify for another edition of Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Crunch Time Plays with your host, Bennett Ganey. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow at Plays Crunch on Twitter and Instagram.